Hey guys, just a real quick intro. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate every single one of you. You already know this, how much I appreciate it. I I also want to thank James Newman. I appreciate it so much that he was on here. It was so much fun to do. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Going to keep it short and brief. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know on all the platforms. I love this pod at everything except Twitter. I love this pod one. All right, guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the episode. All right. Um, how are things going, man? Good. It's cool to it's cool to put a voice to the well, I won't say face to the profile <laughs> picture of the skull. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that, that's not what I look like. Yeah, things are things are good. It's been a really good weekend, a nice long weekend before actually the second in a row. So I go back to work tomorrow for the first time that I've worked a full week in a while, trying to burn up some vacations. That's gonna suck. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just um uh I just bought some plane tickets to go uh to go to Washington to see all my family up there. Uh, cool. Washington State? Yes, Washington State. Uh, cool. And where where are you where do you live? I'm in uh Central California. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Very so, cool. Yeah. Um Well I mean I'm glad I've you know, finally got you on. It was supposed to be you were well you are my second guest. I was going to say you were the planned second guest, you know, a couple mm-hmm. months ago. And then, um, it just didn't work out at the time. And I, I assumed I was going to have, uh, at, at least one more person on, uh, before we got back around to you, but it didn't happen. So, <laughs> so yeah. you're still the second guest. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. I, I certainly didn't want to seem unappreciative. It meant a lot to me that you reached out. It was just, I had, without getting into details, I, I had a, bunch of crap just hit all at once and like personal issues and i was like god i've got to step away and prioritize the things that matter you know marriage and family and fix that and then come back to this and things are good so i'm hoping to get back into the groove of my writing soon because that's suffered a little bit but things are on the right path that's good man i'm glad to hear that because you know like i said i didn't want to throw any pressure uh your way just like I said, man, life comes first, but this is, this is just a yeah. hobby and, you know, we'll get to it when we can. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew it would be a month or two, but I just figured it was best to be honest with you and say, Hey, can you, I want to do this. Just postpone me a little bit. So th- yeah. things are good. It's a perfect, perfect night for it and everything. I, I set the time aside to do it. All right. So on. Appreciate it. Yeah. The, um, I was, wasn't entirely sure I was going to, keep today because of course it happened to be a work week for me where um i I normally work like midday to to like midnight or so but these past four days they threw me a a 3 a.m shift 5 a.m shift 3 a.m shift 3 a.m shift (laughs) right yeah that that would probably freak out a lot of people but i i tend to do that a lot like we well, right now we've been on an OT freeze, but uh, when we're not on an OT freeze because things are busy, I typically I typically go into work like no later than four thirty. Oh man! So, 
So, yeah, I, I kind of get it. And I don't mind it as long as you get your sleep, like you said, as long as you get into bed at a decent hour. Yeah, I mean. Because it's, it, it's impossible it, to go to bed late and then do that. Yeah, You'll just be a zombie. Exactly. Like, I mean, my, my only problem is, is I, I go to bed or I I am in bed at a, at a good time, but it's going to be a couple hours before I actually get to sleep and if I even stay yep. asleep. Yep, same here. Same here, definitely. <laughs> Especially with the aforementioned just crap popping up life, you know, messing with you when you lie down and try to sleep and, you know, yeah. just stress. Of course, when you want to sleep is when, is when your brain wants That's, to go. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, you know, you said you're 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 writing stuff for a little bit, but you're getting back into it. And you have a, a new project that just came out, what, a week or two ago? Uh, yeah, Dog Days of Summer. Um, yeah. Co-wrote that with uh, Mark Gunnels. And uh, he's a good buddy who, actually, I'm uh, very lucky in that a lot of my collaborators, you know, I, I may never meet them in person. I, I just become friends with them online. But Mark um, is uh, sort of local. He lives about an hour maybe even a little less south of me and oh, wow. um so we've got to hang out several times in the past and uh, it's a good buddy of mine and we uh you know i had this idea i took to him and I, I really like to collaborate um you know have somebody to help with the heavy lifting and uh yeah. especially if, if i'm a fan and a friend anyway and uh we just we really clicked on that one um, that's that's pretty cool i you know i always wondered how um, if it, if it's difficult or not to you know co-author, I mean I've never authored independently, it's, but you know with with somebody else, it seems like it's I, f- I feel like it's either going to be hard or it's going to flow perfectly. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I won't say that I've not had collaborations where I you know haven't butted heads with people, but you know going into it that in the end it's all going to be for the you know for the greater good, so to speak. That you're gonna. You, you may butt heads, but you'll come to an agreement and, and you go into it knowing that you can work with this person, that you're, that you're a friend first and foremost. And, you know, you know, their work ethic, you know, you respect their writing and, you know, you know them well before you jump into it. Yeah. Um, it's, I've, I have yet to have an experience that wasn't a hundred percent enjoyable. And I've, I've done quite a few collaborations, especially quite I'd say a ton of them over the last year, more than more than ever. Yeah, and this isn't. Your, uh, oh, I'm, I'm say, sorry. No, I was gonna say this isn't your first uh, published collaboration, right? Oh no, there's there's been quite a few. There was uh, I did a novella called The Church of Dead Languages with Jason Brannon. That's a great um, title. Yeah, yeah, I was always pretty proud of that one. <laughs> um, I did uh, Love Bites and a collection called Death Songs from the Naked Man <laughs> with Don Gash, who is another local boy. Actually, he's he's probably my best friend in the world. We've been friends since we were like 15, and he lives like two minutes away from me. Oh, um, wow. So he's another exception to the rule of you know never meeting face-to-face with my collaborators. But, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, quite quite a few. I've got... Uh, as a matter of fact, I've got I've got two more collaborations coming out um, within by, by Halloween, so sort of been my thing the last year or so working with other folks. Does that make it, does that make it easier to get your ideas out or get projects finished? Or I, I would probably say that collaborations make it a little easier. Um, 
you know, at the risk of sounding like you, you have somebody else carry the workload. You do in a way, you know, yeah. you, you do have somebody carry 50% of it. Like they bring their own ideas to the table. As a matter of fact, it's, it's been my experience that I may have a cool idea and I just, it fizzles and I'm like, I have no idea what I want to do with this, but I really like this first, you know, 10 pages or whatever that, that I have written. Uh, hey, would you like to come on board with this? And they bring their own ideas and a story that may have sat in a drawer somewhere is now, you know, you got a contract and it's being published, you know, six months to a year later. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I've had, I've really enjoyed it, and work, especially working with different writers who I admire, so their voices may be a little bit different, but you always pick somebody who your voice is going to jive with their voice, you know. You want a collaboration where it gels and you don't automatically know as the reader, okay, he wrote that part, he wrote that part. It needs to gel, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, normally I'm not a huge fan of like, oh, I see that somebody wrote it with somebody else because I feel like you can, sometimes you can tell where the style shifts and oh, whatnot, yeah. but there's, the out of the few I've read, it's, you know, it's practically one voice. Yeah. Do you guys do the whole, uh, like you you write a chunk and send it to him and he reads it and adds on to it? Or... Yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, not necessarily chapter by chapter, but there may be like when you sort of outline in the beginning, hey, I would really like to write this scene. Hey, this scene feels like it would be your thing. You know, this feels more like you. And, you know, you kind of trade off and that may change as you go along um, because, you know, if you've got a momentum going, the last thing you want to do is stop and kill the momentum. So you may be like, Hey, I, I went a little further than I'd planned in this. Are you cool with that? Yeah. But the way I've always worked is, and luckily I've worked with people who are, per are perfectly okay with this and don't think I'm being a control freak. <laughs> I tend to, when I get their stuff back, when I get their chunk back, I will take it and then, I don't want to necessarily use the word rewrite it, but I, I sort of will adding my own two cents to it. So it's truly a collaboration instead of him, 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 him you know? Yeah. And that way the, the styles truly gel. You truly wrote that chunk together. And then, you know, I expect them to do the same to, to my chunk instead of just, I wrote this, he wrote this, I wrote this, he wrote this. You, now take what I wrote and tinker with it, add your two cents to it before you go on to the next chunk. And it's, it's worked very well for me. Yeah. Cause the, the, for me, a good example would be the, um, the talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub that, uh -huh. that was, I think that was the first book I ever read that was co-authored and, um, I honestly feel like you couldn't tell that felt like a Stephen King novel, through and through except for maybe a couple parts that just seem to drag on but even in your head uh -huh. you're like well this is stephen king he's kind of long-winded anyway so this could just be him well you're uh you're never gonna believe this and you're probably gonna kick me off the podcast and say never come <laughs> back but i have never been able to finish the talisman oh i even man. i i started trying to read it for the third or fourth time in the last you know 20 years or so about two months ago mm -hmm. and i got again i got like maybe 70 or 80 pages in and just for some reason it has never hooked me 
and I hate to say that because, you know, I love Stephen King. Haven't read a lot of Peter Stroud, but, uh, you know, that's my admission. That's my confession. For the, I've never been able to finish the Talisman. It, yeah, it seems like um, it seems like most people either either love it, hate it, mm-hmm. or like you said, just couldn't get into it. And yeah. um, I did that uh, read along in uh, July. It was uh, last month, and um, uh, luckily, I can't remember how many people there was. There was like fifteen of them, and I'd say a good. 13 12 13 of them said um this is now in my top five king of all time and the others wow. um said you know kind of uh, it was just okay a lot of dragging a lot of dragging on but um i understand everybody finished but the majority of everyone was like you know new top five for me whereas the others wow. were just like eh, it was all right yeah i i had a hard time getting into the sequel i still haven't finished it it's because it's a total different, uh, totally different tone. Like it, it yeah. if, if nobody told you that it was a sequel and the character didn't have the same name, you wouldn't think it was a sequel because it's vastly different. Right. And that's called black house, right? Black house. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. as, as a good example with, of your, uh, your Skype picture of Morgan Freeman from seven, it's if, <laughs> if the talisman is the never ending story, black house is like seven. Wow, yeah, that's that's a shift. Yeah, like, like I said, it's it it kind of messed with me for a bit. Um, I've gotten, I think I'm about a third of the way, um, and it's finally starting to to reel me in because it 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 was not the first like hundred pages is I don't know if it's Peter Straub or what, but it's almost like you're reading a movie script in a in a sense because it'll say the the, the writing is seriously like. And then we fly down the street and swoop down to visit these people, and this is what mm. they're doing. And then it kind of goes into a little bit of conversation. Then it goes, and then we fly back out and down the street to this person. And it's like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> weird. Yeah, weird. it's a little weird to get into, but um, yeah, I I got really into the uh, Castle Rock TV series, so I started reading the Castle Rock books, which I'm about a third of the way through the Dead Zone right now, and I'm really loving the Dead Zone. I've never read it before. Oh, that's that's among my top five. Those there, there are several King novels at the beginning of the eighties there that, uh, are not often cited as favorites mm-hmm. that are like, even I, I have even heard people say that, you know, he was, he was on Coke when he wrote them and, and hence they suffered for it. But God, my favorite King books are that stretch right at the very late seventies, early eighties, the shining, which obviously is not usually, that usually is cited as a fave, but yeah. then the ones that Cujo, Christine, and the Dead Zone—I just, I absolutely adore. Um, yeah, like I said, I haven't, I haven't read the Dead Zone, but I'm about a third of the way loving it. Um, I haven't read Cujo, and I got all the way to the final part of Christine, and then put it down just because I probably put it down at the very wrong spot because I had maybe I don't know eighty to a hundred pages left, and I was just like, all right. Mm-hmm. Something happened here, you know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure that's when it was going to kick into high gear, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. But I need to get back to it. Are you uh, watching the Castle Rock TV series? Uh, that is on, is that on Hulu? Hulu, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, I haven't. I don't have that, but I, I will eventually. 
I was going to say, you know, uh, look up when the last episode airs and when it does, just sign up for a week trial and just yeah. binge that thing. It is, I feel like it's, it's the show like Stephen King fans have been waiting for in terms of yeah. how good it is, how good the story is, and the fact that he doesn't really have any input towards the story other than just mm-hmm. some established characters. It's just fans making up stories in a Stephen King universe, and it's, I feel like it's surpassed everybody's expectations on how good it is. Oh, yeah. I, I have yet to hear anybody say that it's not great. I, I will definitely check it out sooner or later. Yeah, I think we're uh, about halfway through the season right now, something like that. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, how did you guys get your, your going back to Dog Days of Summer? Uh, how did that come about? Who got the idea to jumpstart that? Uh, actually, a pretty cool idea that a lot of my readers know this because I've, I've alluded to it in, on probably Facebook mostly, but uh, Dog Days of Summer was interesting, an interesting collaboration because uh, I had the idea and I basically knew that it was going to be a coming-of-age werewolf story, mm-hmm. but I just had the beginning. And um, Mark and I were really wanting to collaborate because we were we were friends, like I said, as well as fans of each other's work. And um, again, I'm probably telling a story that a lot of people know, but, uh, you know, what the heck. Uh, yeah. Four years ago, I guess it was, um, on April 27th, um, my family and I were uh, biking in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of Western North Carolina, here where we live, mm-hmm. and we had stopped, we had finished, we'd stopped to eat lunch at a picnic table in like a little uh, park area, and after we were finished, um, to make a long story short, I heard my wife say, oh my God, I heard wood cracking and looked up in time to see a massive, uh, like, dead branch falling from a tree. My family scattered. I didn't get out of the way in time, and the, the branch took me out, and I was oh, put man. out of commission. Yeah, um, I'm assuming since we really only know each other from Instagram, you didn't know this, right? I, no, I did not. Okay, okay, yeah. And um, so the branch took me out. It uh, put me out of work for six months. I uh, broke several vertebrae in my back. My elbow, left elbow was completely shattered and oh. had to be rebuilt. My now eight-year-old says that daddy is a Terminator because I have a metal <laughs> elbow. Uh, and um, tore um, ligaments and stuff in my right knee. So it messed me up pretty bad. Um, you know, when it first happened, I remember just blacking out. Don't remember the moment that it hit me. Screaming, you know, wondering if I was paralyzed, asking where my family was. It was literally the worst moment and and subsequent summer of my life but what's interesting about it yeah what's interesting about it though is when i was laid out of work for six months um doing nothing but you know having my my wife god bless her wait on me hand and foot and bring me pain pills um it was actually a pretty productive summer because just so happened that since i was out of work in my day job i had i think right before the accident i had uh sent to mark what i had and we ended up collaborating and finishing dog days of summer over over that summer so Mm -hmm. that project really holds a special place in my heart because 
it kept my mind, you know, I went through a, the darkest period of my life where, you know, of self-pity. Why did this happen to me? You know, am I going to lose my job? Uh, you know, am I ever going to be the same? So during the worst time of my life, it, it kept my mind busy with this collaboration with Mark. And it's like I said in a, another recent interview, although I had a lot of self-doubt because every time I would send him my chunk of writing, I would worry, God, is this coherent? It's written on pain pills, yeah. you know, but he, he sort of carried me and made sure that we were okay in that respect. Um, but, but all joking aside, um, it was written, you know, during a very dark, uh, time in my life and, uh, stressful time for my family and came out of it on top. And finally, here we are. That one had a little bit of a delay compared to, the public publication of most books, but uh, Cemetery Dance released the uh, limited edition earlier this year. As yeah. you mentioned, you know, just just a week or two ago, uh, unnerving published paperback and ebook. So something good came out of it, and uh, here we are. Yeah, man, and I've I've seen um, I've seen a handful of people on Instagram uh, that have read it, and they've all said, you know, how much they really loved it. So I'm. I definitely need to get to that one pretty soon, especially because I, I, I mean, I knew it was about a werewolf, but then when I saw people say it was a, like a coming of age story with a werewolf in it, just, I guess we're all nostalgic for coming of oh, age yeah. stories. So that instantly I was like, Oh damn, I'm getting to this as quick as I, yeah. as soon as I can, you know, definitely one of my, one of my favorite, uh, sub genres, genres, whatever. Um, for sure. For Cause sure. you're, you're, uh, was it your first novel that was a coming of age story? Midnight Rain. Yep, yep. Midnight Rain. Yep, was a like the dark coming of age suspense thing. And I go back and I go back and read that one now, and I'll admit, you know, I cringe sometimes at certain passages, but it was my first novel. I mean, yeah. you know, you you should expect to get better at whatever it is that you do. You know, fourteen years later, so. No worries. It's, it still holds a very special place in my heart. I'm I'm really proud of Midnight Rain. Which and you know you said certain parts make you cringe. Would you, you know, with the good thing about, um, like Kindles and all that nowadays, would you go back and just would you would you change like the context of the writing of things that make you cringe, or just the I guess the style or the way it was written? Yeah, just the 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 structure of, you know, the way sentences could be a little less clunky, you know, uh, yeah. the flow of, of the writing itself. Um, actually, you know, that said, I probably had a, a, an option to do that if I wanted to, because it was re-released. Um, and it's, it's not available in paperback right now, but it was re-released on Kindle uh, by uh, Cemetery Dance. It's one of their digital books. And mm. uh, so that probably would have given me a chance, but that one came about pretty quickly. So I didn't go back and revise. So I just kind of, I kind of look at Midnight Rain these days as a, you know, if you really wanted to, you could revise it, but let's just, fans seem to like it. So let's just leave it out there as a snapshot of where I was at that time. And hopefully they read the other stuff and can see the improvement, you know? Yeah. See, that's, that's more or less what, uh, Keelan Patrick Burke told me. He's like, you know, 
you know, as a writer that you guys are always going to see things you could have done differently or want to oh, change yeah. it now. But in the end, if the readers love it, then just leave it be. Yeah. And you're, you're your own worst critic too. You know, I tend to, to mention this in interviews and people are like, what's wrong with it? Well, okay. We'll go with, we'll go with your opinion then. I like that better than my own, <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, and- but you do. You could you could pick apart anything you you ever create for the rest of your life. You look at it, even as as recently as a year later, and be like, "Oh God, how did I miss that?" But <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta put it out there in the world and let it go sooner or later. Yeah, I, I, I somebody was talking recently, and they they were saying, you know, don't try to. You know, if you have an idea, just put it out there. Don't don't try to perfect it 100% because it's it, more often than not probably going to fall flat. If it's at 85%, just put it out there so it's there and you know what to grow from and what to do differently next time and all yeah. that. Yeah, And, and I, I do that, though. I mean, everything I write, I do sort of agonize over every sentence, and I am sort of a perfectionist. But there is a certain point when I know, and I try not to let deadlines, I, I try not to let deadlines influence that. Like, I would rather overshoot a deadline a little bit than put something out that I'm less than 100% satisfied with. So so I, I do tend to agonize and rewrite endlessly, but there does come a point where I know, okay, this, this is as good as it's possibly going to be now, hopefully. My readers will like it, and so far, I seem to have a pretty good track record with that. So, you've got it the best you know how to get it at where your talent is at this point in time. So, just put it out there. There you go. And 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 what now? What I really want to get to is what I've um, been singing my praises about since January, and uh, which is uh, the Wicked. Mm-hmm. That um, seems to have become a uh, I guess I guess you can call it a, a cult favorite on, uh, on Instagram because you know we all got it in that uh, nocturnal readers box, and it seems to uh, to me at least uh, ever since then um, I've been seeing it a lot more, and um, I don't recall what month we got it. I think it was in 2017 though, wasn't it? Was it maybe September? It's something like, okay because I I remember um. I don't even remember what because I'm a big time mood reader. I'll I'll say, oh, okay, I'm gonna read this book and this book, but that third book is gonna be this. But then it comes time to read yeah. that book, and I'm just like, nope, not what I want to read right now. And yeah. something uh, something triggered me, and I was I was like, you know what, I'm gonna read that book that everyone's talking about, The Wicked. And um, I'm and and you know, it's not it's not a very long book. It's what like three. 50 360 pages something like that yeah um, but it, it is the thickest one yet of my of my work and and yeah on, and on, actually on that note is the it's a pretty big uh paperback and the text isn't small but there is a lot of text on the pages so it may be right you know 340 pages but you put that in like in a mass market that's going to go to like almost 500 pages probably yeah yeah um, it would have it would have probably been too long for most mass market publishers i believe the I believe when I trimmed it down and got it to where I wanted it to be, it sat somewhere around 91,000 words, something like that, which is which is 10, 10 to 15,000 more 
than the than the average um, than the average mass market. Uh, yeah, about ten. Um, mm. So it's it's thick, but it's and I've always felt like it was this fat epic novel for some reason. Maybe it's just because of what I set out to do with it, and you know, it's a tribute to those big fat eighties novels. But you're right; it's really in terms of word count, it's not that much longer. It just is for me. Because even my uh, novels, I'm sure you know, you know they they tend to they tend to stick around like sixty sixty five thousand words, which by by most mass market publishers guidelines is fifteen to twenty thousand too short to ever be be eligible to be published by them. I just oh, like wow. a good tight read. Yeah. Most of my novels are on the shorter side. They're long enough to be called novels, but too long to be called novellas. Mm. Um, it's just it's it's the length that I'm comfortable with. So the wicked, in, you know, by those standards, is like way longer than most things that I write. Yeah, and and I, I don't consider myself a slow reader. I don't consider myself a fast reader. But I, th- I'm pretty sure I flew through that in about two and a half to three days with you know working awesome. working forty hours a week too. And that oh man, like I said, I've saying my praises since since I read it in January. Yeah, um, I, and I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I yeah, man, I I really dig it. I'm I'm wanting to uh reread it again for uh like you know, like you know like a spooky October read or something like that. I feel like that's cool. going to become uh you, you know like every year for Halloween you've got your set of movies you watch or oh, shows. Yeah. You know, I think that is probably working its way into being a a standard Halloween read for me now. That is so cool. I, I can't tell you what uh, the Nocturnal Readers Box did for my career. That, honestly, that little subscription box company did more for me in terms of just in one massive, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm supposed to be a writer and I can't even find, find the right word. Well, in one massive glut mm-hmm. of readers, it did more for me than anything else so far in my career. And then, and then when people started posting about it on Instagram, oh my God, you've seen the posts. Oh, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more grateful for that. It's, it's been killer. And I, I don't like taking, I used to take my books to work all the time. Um, but I, I kind of got tired of putting them in, in drawers and people go in that drawer to get something and they don't even care. They just shove it aside or you know, right. thing, you know, want, the book winds up getting screwed up. So, um, I started taking my Kindle to work and, you know, it's got a case on it so people can drop stuff on it and bang it around. It doesn't matter. So, um, anytime I am fully invested in a book that's, that is holding my attention to where if I go to work, I'm like, damn, I can't be on my lunch and not read that book. I, you know, instantly get the Kindle edition. So as soon as I Started it, read that prologue. I was like, "Yep, buying the Kindle edition and taking That's this to awesome. work tomorrow." <laughs> That's awesome. And I have a signed well, copy, me, so uh, that was really cool to, for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, make sure uh, it. Well, I was going to say make sure to remind me, but I won't forget. Uh, just you know, for having me on the podcast and everything. Whatever you don't have, if I have digital editions of them, let me let me hook you up with some of my oh. other titles. Oh, sweet! Um, I would I would be glad to do that because you know I appreciate the support. And yeah, definitely, man. I, I know uh, I know. Immediately after I finished it, I went and bought um, Midnight Rain because I had seen that it 
I think one of the uh, descriptions on it was something like, you know, oh, if you love uh, Stand By Me and stuff like that, I was yeah. like, oh, oh, shit, sold already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love uh, that stuff. What, uh, what was your inspiration for The Wicked? Because to me, it seems very, you know, like of its time, horror movies from like, I, I want to say like the 80s, and you said, you know, 80s paperbacks, and that's totally the feel I got from it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it was always from the moment I sat down to, to write page one, it was always supposed to be a not quite tongue in cheek. I mean, it's it's serious. I didn't I wasn't poking fun, but it's almost but not quite tongue in cheek nod to those 80s, you know, evil in a small town novels that were just all over the place, you know, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Um you know, with the gaudy covers and the ridiculous plots. And I wanted something just so epic in scale where this whole town is taken over by this evil. But I wanted the evil to be, even though the entire story may have been a nod to those to, to those sort of cheesy novels, I wanted the evil itself to be something that I, I researched a lot and it was a true god or demon that was worshipped and and i had done my research and that showed in the finished product and i wanted it to be genuinely scary despite Mm -hmm. the fact that it was this over the top you know blood and guts crazy ass ride i wanted it to be genuinely scary and that's one thing that i keep i've gotten from the very first review i ever got for the wicked and again i couldn't be more grateful just people have always mentioned just how they they really do consider it scary as hell the old man and i'm like well damn i guess i nailed it that's <laughs> yeah you know to be told to be told this book gave me nightmares there is no greater compliment that you give a writer because how many books do you read that that really scare you the mm-hmm. written word there are good ones but that really scare you and to have people say that they had nightmares Dude, that's the greatest feeling ever. I can imagine, like you, you know, the, and there's there's ton, I you know I love horror novels, but there's some that I'm you know after I finish the chapter or or even a passage, and I'm like, well, that was scary. But then I just that's it. That's all I get out of it. Whereas, yeah, um, like I can't tell you the exact part, but I just remember at some point reading um, the Wicked, and it was a very there was a very tense part going on, and um, the at the time there was a, a a cat that was staying with us for just a little bit um, walked by the section of the couch, and all I heard was her her um, collar just jingle, just a tiny bit. I heard that uh-huh. jingle, and I I like damn near threw the book out of my hand. <laughs> just you that. thought it was like Jingle Bells on the Evil Santa? That's oh what my god, maybe probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was that one was a lot of fun to write, but it's it's weird. Well, for one thing, it's been. Many years ago, even though people are just now really getting into it, God, I wrote that thing right after I wrote Midnight Rain. So it would have been like 2006 at the at the latest. And it's just a blur. I can't ever imagine writing something now so long and epic in scope with a family and, you know, all the the stresses that come with life. It's like, how did I ever do that? I don't know. I did sat down and did it but it's just a blur i don't remember writing that book and i i I just love that you said how how you know it is serious but it's very tongue-in-cheek and the the thing that's coming to my mind is uh without without saying too much the 
the uh i guess like the epic you know third act the conclusion part mm-hmm. um i i remember kind of chuckling and laughing to myself because it's so i want to say it was kind of absurd but at the same time i was just like this is scary as hell <laughs> at the same time oh yeah i mean you you totally got it it's you know it is over the top and ridiculous but we when we read horror novels especially horror no- horror novels with that tone and that that kind of horror novels they you're you're agreeing you're going into a into a an agreement with the writer i agree to suspend my disbelief i know that zombies are not walking the earth i know that there's not a creature that sucks blood i know that people don't turn into werewolves when the moon is full but i'm going to suspend my disbelief for the length of time that it takes to read this novel or see this movie entertain me so so yeah you're right it it is absurd um i wanted to mention you had asked me um a few minutes ago uh influences on the wicked Mm -hmm. and and this the comment you made about how it was absurd brought me back to i forgot to mention that there's a lot of bentley little influence in the wicked Mm, if you've ever read bentley little if you think about the premises that he that he writes about, they are utterly ridiculous. Like if you told somebody who wasn't a horror fan, oh, I'm reading a book about an evil college. I'm reading a book about an evil Walmart. I'm reading a book about an evil mailman. It's like, that sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but guess what? Bentley Little consistently, again and again with every book, makes them terrifying. I've, I've seen the name, but I've never read anything but now i think i might have to jump into one (laughs) yeah please please read the store the summoning the mailman uh what's another favorite the policy university if you read any one of those and you hate it i will personally buy it back from you (laughs) it that's how good it bentley little is just so he had he had a stretch of five or six novels there around the last decade or so that didn't, he kind of lost me a little bit, but I still consistently read them because I was a fan. But his first like seven, eight, nine, and his short story collections are just such a huge influence on me. Uh, Maybe not my seminal years, because again, they, they were over the last, you know, they were through the two thousands but uh, one of my absolute favorites. I'm reading his new Cemetery Dance collection now, uh, Walking Alone, and it's, uh, I think that's the name of it. I don't think I'm butchering the title. <laughs> anyway, it's it's his newest collection, and uh, you know I'll just pick it up before bed, read a story here, a story there, and it's like, wow, the things that this man can make creepy. He had a short story once in Cemetery Dance magazine where he made pancakes sinister. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I'll never look at pancakes the same way again. <laughs> Who can do that? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely intrigued to to read something by him now. Um, what would you say your your favorite is by him? My, abs- my absolute favorite, if you held a gun to my head and said you just have to pick one favorite novel, it would probably be The Store. Okay. Um, and the cool thing about his books is, they're, they're horror novels, but they're also very much social satire. So, like, the store is basically about an evil Walmart. 
it's it's how you know Walmart comes in and they put the ma the ma and pa stores out of business in the neighborhood and essentially like a giant brick and mortar vampire leech the life out of the community out of the you know the small family run businesses mm-hmm. but there's also more to it than that there's also nothing grows on the property where they're bi- where they're building the store animals are found dead and then there are the eerie night managers that come in whenever they start hiring employees into this new store and it's like it becomes a horror story but at its heart it's also this social satire that says a lot about places like Walmart and it, it's just it's brilliant I was going to say it's it brilliant. almost sounds like walking through an actual Walmart too yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's so good man get that one get university which is a, basically about a, an evil college um yeah just trying to describe them doesn't do them justice yeah see that's and you know like you were saying the absurd nature of of the wicked and all that it's even when i read the description it, it almost it i feel like it, it could have said you've heard this story before you you know the story of an evil person in this in a taking over a town but what you don't know is what happens in this particular novel you know what i mean yeah You're, yeah yeah the the, the, dis- the description is something we've all heard but the content inside is definitely wholly original to me anyway yeah well, I appreciate that, and and you know that's kind of, that's sort of the case with any good. I mean, I'm not necessarily claiming to be one myself, but that that's the case with any writer who's good at what he or she does. Is mm-hmm. there is nothing original under the sun? Um, like I'm I'm starting to think about how I'd like to write a vampire novel. My God, what in the world could I do? With that? There's nothing <laughs> original under the sun. Yeah. But no pun in, no pun intended since I'm talking about vampires. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you you bring to it your own your own characters that that your reader falls in love with or doesn't. They don't have to be perfect angels that you love. They could be they could be people that you despise and they're flawed, but they're interesting. You know, you yeah. want to know more about them, and then you inject the supernatural into it, and you do it in your own way and put your own twist on it and you hope that readers like it like you know yeah and coming of age werewolf novel dog days of summer technically coming of age werewolf novel has been done and it's been done by the best cycle of the werewolf mm. but i'm not in competition with king here if if i am i'll lose <laughs> so you know you put your own spin on it and you give it your own voice and you hope that people like it and i've been very fortunate to for that to have been the case yeah and i i I don't consider um i don't consider myself a writer i would like to try to do something and the Mm -hmm. first idea that came to my head was um trying to do a vampire novel and i kind of got to the same thing was okay well let's put a spin on it but how and Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where i you know i thought it all in my head and i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna tell this to somebody and and see what happens i i said it all and then i was like damn i feel like i just described 50 things we've all heard or read before yeah yeah you you actually say it aloud and then you're oh shit yeah i (laughs) i I struggled with that on uh when i wrote ugliest sin Mm -hmm. that one really 
uh, gave me this psychological hang up um, when I was writing it. Uh, well, I'm a procrastinator any, anyway, so any little hang up is an excuse not to write, I'll admit it. And this was just another, but I was in the middle of writing Ugly of Sin. It's about a, this is very much oversimplifying it, but it's about a, a disgraced ex professional wrestler who's trying to reconnect with his adult daughter who he, he was never there for her when she was growing up because he was all about his career and being on the road etc i'm in the middle of writing that and darren aronofsky's the wrestler oh, comes man. out and it's about a washed up professional wrestler who's trying to reconnect with his estranged daughter yeah and i'm like shit how do i compare <laughs> but then you know i just had to tell myself there's more to your story than just the subplot of him trying to reconnect. There's so much more. Yeah. He's, you know, well, without getting into it, you know, it's, it's there on the, on the back cover for anybody to read, but it, I just had to say, you've got to power through this because your story is not his story exactly. and you're not in comp in competition with this feature length film. That's going to be on thousands of screens. If you're in competition, if you think you're in competition with that, you're going to lose. So just tell your story the best you know how, and don't worry about the rest. And I don't think I've ever had anybody, until I brought it up, mention to me, sounds like a ripoff of The Wrestler, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's ever happened. So it was my own hang-up, my own reason not to continue and procrastinate, you know? Yeah, I, I, I've had a... Um I've had a couple people refer to that novel to me and um, I just, I haven't got to it yet, but uh, the wrestler is probably one of my favorite movies. Uh, so now I'm really intrigued and, and you know, I'm not going to compare the two, but just if, you know, if that's uh, how, how you kind of saw it as yeah. uh, being, you know, somewhat similar in, in um, description anyway. Uh, yeah. Already I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send you the uh, the ebook. All right. The, the, yeah, the, there was that one, and then um, there was another one. I see a lot of people talk about. Um, uh, damn, odd man out. Yeah. Is that yep. the title? Okay, I thought I was getting it wrong for a second. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, oddly enough, um, the wrestler I should mention. You know, even though I wanted to hate it because I, I heard the, about the similar plot whenever I was writing Ugly as Sin. When it came out, me too. I'm with you. I was like, it's it's one of my favorites of the last ten years, and I don't want it. I didn't want it to be. <laughs> Damn it! But oh god, it's so Mickey Rourke is just so sad. Yeah, you that's know? that's the not... line where he tells his daughter he's just an old washed up piece of, or an old used piece of meat. Yeah, is like so sad. Just oh man, that's such a good movie. I I, I get. I haven't seen um, like his whole filmography um but I, for for me anyway I, I feel like it's safe to say that might be his crowning achievement as far as acting wise oh i agree i agree and Dar darren aronofsky is always good in most of what he does there's there's been a couple where i'm just like eh, i don't see yeah. that i don't see that i know a lot of people hated uh a lot of people hated mother uh which i didn't think was that bad um especially since he he kind of described uh his um i haven't seen that yet it's well he described what it's supposed to represent and if you if 
at least for me personally, if you didn't know what his intentions were of what it was supposed to represent, because it's kind of hard to right. read this, the subtext of it. Um, cause it's Darren Aronofsky. So, Oh yeah. If you didn't know that going in, I feel like you're just going to be like, what the hell did I just watch? Like, what was this? But knowing what he was trying to do, it helped me understand it better. And I was just like, Oh, okay. I, I like how he executed it. It's one of those movies where I really did like it but I don't think I'll watch it again. Whereas a lot of right. people, a lot of people say that about Requiem for a dream, but I've seen that yeah. movie like 50 times already. That's one of my favorites too. It's now you don't, you don't watch it to be happy, but it's such a good movie. I feel like you, that's one you watch for, I guess the craft basically. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I love the, uh, the lines. Um, just, just about any Ellen Burstyn line in it. Oh God. She was so good. We'll get, I'm getting her last name right. Ellen Burstyn? Aren't yeah. I? Yeah. And um, just the the lines that she has about, like, I like thinking about the television and the red dress and yeah. telling Harry, I feel old. And her voice cracks when she said, that's right up there with the I'm an, I used up piece of meat line <sighs> in the rest of it. It's like so sad. And God, she should have won that friggin' Oscar that uh, year. I, yeah, I was I was Friggin' pissed. Aaron Brockovich. Uh, oh, is that who she lost to? Yep. Uh, see, yep. I'm, and I'm not a Julie Roberts fan either, so that that really is a little bit of yep. salt in the wound there. I'm just sort of indifferent to her. I mean, was wouldn't matter if I was. That uh, performance might be the thing. Oh, it's just so good. I I could go off for an hour about it. <laughs> so tragic. You just want to give her a hug. God, you know? Yes. <laughs> and you know, and and. And she like she almost reminded you of kind of like either your mom or your grandma. Like this is, you know, it's, oh yeah, you know she just encompassed that so well. It's, like you said, just like you just want to go up to her and give her a hug and yeah. tell her it's going to be all right. <laughs> and he's sitting there, you know, asking her if she's on uppers and kind of judging her. And it's like you're a junkie. Yeah, you have no right to be scolding your mom. But you see, in that moment, he does genuinely care about her, despite the fact that he's stolen from her. He's turned out to be anything she ever wanted him to be he still loves his mother and she loves him it's yeah so sad i, I remember reading a, a piece of trivia of that there's a, one of the scenes where she's it's like a one take uh shot of her um she's giving a little monologue i can't remember exactly which one it is but uh it's a it's a little tracking shot and i guess the camera's moving closer to her and you see a little bump for about um half a second you just see a tiny little bump um or no, you either see a bump or the camera starts to stray. I can't remember, I th or it might be both, but I guess it's because the camera operator um, started crying watching her and had to, oh, like, wow. he had to move his face away from the camera because his tears were getting into the viewfinder and they left that shot in the scene. Wow. You know, they didn't wow. want to do it again because obviously it was, uh, had an effect on some, on people. Yeah. I think I missed that little tidbit. I thought where you were going with that was where they're sitting at the table and the sunlight is on their faces and it goes all the way around them until the conversation turns dark and now their faces are in shadow. Oh. Uh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. See, and and I, I didn't even notice it until I, I think I was listening to the uh, commentary. So that's probably mentioned in the commentary and I just forgot about it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever noticed that. And I, I usually look for uh, yeah subtle little things like that. Yeah, it's like when things turn dark, they've gone all the way around the table, and now it's about their problems, not about their dreams. <sighs> so good. <laughs> um, have you 
Did you happen to see Hereditary? I did. Uh-huh. My uh, oldest and I went to see that in the theater. What did you think about that? Um, overall, to be perfectly honest, I was probably a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. That's That said, I don't begrudge anyone who says it was great and scary because it was damned scary. Yeah, it was. I just... I, I think I got caught up a little bit in the the convoluted aspects of it. Like, okay, what exactly what exactly is happening here? What was the what was the the ultimate goal here of this group? What it just it, I was trying to figure it out and it took me out of my enjoyment for it, like just trying to you know, work out what they were doing and, and why. Yeah. And, you know, it probably I probably I'm not a filmmaker, so what the hell do I know? But I would have probably <laughs> trimmed 20 minutes from it, made it a little bit tighter. But overall, the first like the first third to two thirds, I thought were sublime. I, I I I did like it a lot, and I will buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray and give it another chance because oh, yeah. I in no way, shape, or form did I dislike it. I just I did I wasn't so as apeshit crazy as I thought I would be about it. Yeah. But oh, it was it had some very unnerving moments. I I mean I will I will say you know I'm with you on the convoluted part. It's it's another one of those. It's a story you know you've heard this a thousand times, but mm-hmm. you, you know how this. Well, actually, okay, in this case, you don't know how what's going to set everything off because that twist that happens early on. Yeah. I, I didn't see that coming, but it's right. one of those. It's one of those. You know where we start. You know where we end, but how we get there is going to be yeah. like, like nothing you've ever seen, which yeah. I feel like that's exactly what this one did. Um, although I will, I will say, yeah, you're right. That last third, you know, 20, 25 minutes or so um, is something we've, we've seen. There was not a whole lot that was new about the final act in it. Um, yeah. But how we got there the, to me was, yeah. And, and, it almost couldn't be classified as a horror movie because there was just so much of that family aspect to it to where you were almost just watching a very hardcore drama that had um, the most terrible parts of life amplified until you, you know, finally got to the, the supernatural in the, in the last bit. Yeah. um, yeah, it 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 definitely it, it. I think it exceeded my expectations be, just because I didn't know what to expect. I because mm-hmm. they they hid they showed you a bit uh, quite a lot in the trailers, but you still weren't sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. What is this about? It will definitely be one that I, I'll buy and can't wait to revisit. Oh, so yeah. you know you don't say that about a movie that you didn't like. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, did you enjoy the the new it yeah yeah it's um that's another one where i where i tell people that uh you know i could if i look at it as a diehard fan of the novel mm-hmm. i could pick it apart like, yeah. why would they change this 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 is so unnecessary to change why did they do it is it just typical hollywood they've got to change it just to put their own stamp on it why you know if i could pick it apart that said if i don't do that and i look at it as a book or i'm sorry as a film that you used 
this massive novel that you could never hope to film 100%, you know, accurately yeah. as its inspiration, as like a guidebook. I loved it. Yeah. I walked out of the theater and, you know, couldn't wait to see it again. My whole family loved it. My, it's, it's kind of cool. My oldest, uh, he just, he just yesterday moved into, um, into college for his sophomore year. He is starting to read more and it's all stuff that I recommend. He literally finished reading the novel five minutes before he saw the movie in the oh, theater man. and took it. Yeah. So he was like, I got to finish it. I got to finish it before I see the movie just to say that I finished it before I saw the movie. Yeah. And, uh, he did. And it was just, I don't know. That was kind of neat. Yeah. That had to be uh, magical for him because I, I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of us, um, if you're, if you, I feel like if you're at least in your early to mid twenties now, at some point in your life, mm-hmm. you saw the original miniseries as a child. Yeah. And like a lot of us, it, you know, probably scarred you. Like I, I don't like, uh, I don't like clowns to an extent and it's probably yeah. because of the miniseries, even as enjoyable yeah. as, you know, Tim Curry is to watch. Yeah. I never in a million years thought I would hear myself say, and I know, I know some of this is probably that classic. Oh, I got a bug up my ass about remakes you know, jaded old horror fan guy, but which I, I, I am that to an extent, but I never thought I would hear myself say that somebody topped Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Sarsgaard was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what it all, what, it, what it comes down to for me was just a little character choice where he would, he would drool. Mm, yeah, that was, that was so creepy. I I remember him saying one thing that he went off script on was when they're in the house on Nybolt Street and he's, um, you know he's he's up in Eddie's face and when he grabs his shirt and Eddie you know is obviously uh, crying and all of a sudden it cuts back to him and he's like mocking him, mocking his crying mm-hmm. and all that. He said he just did that on the spot. That wasn't planned yeah. because. Um, you know, he's saying Pennywise is, is a monster. He doesn't care about, you know, if this child's yeah. scared or not. So he's just, he's basically just going to mock him. And that, yeah. that was a nice little touch. I thought it was, it was well done. I mean, I, I don't think it was perfect, but I loved it. I have no, I can't wait to see chapter two. Definitely. And you know, like you said, the changes, um, you know, I've always said, okay, if you're going to change the source material, then you at least need to have, as good of an idea as they had in the book or a better one because yeah. otherwise then you know people are just gonna or at least fans of the novel are gonna hate it and the f- changes they did i felt like okay this this is for the better it it worked yeah. it it was nice and fluid and th- th- my only problem was which it seems to be everybody else's problem was the relied a little bit too heavy on its jump scares and just not enough of the dread yeah yeah yeah, and I was a little bit bothered. I wish they hadn't just made uh, Beverly the damsel in distress to be saved. Yeah, by the boys, you know. Um, but it, it, in no way, shape, or form did it did it, you know, take my enjoyment down for it. Any, I I really really liked it. Yeah, that was definitely one that because I, I other than the Dark Tower novels, I think it is my favorite um, King novel. So seeing it done. Yeah so well was 
you know, definitely satisfying, unlike yeah. the Dark Tower movie, which was not done so well, at least in a lot of our opinions. Right, right. I know some people were like, eh, it wasn't bad. It it, it was what it was. Um, don't compare it to the book. And it's like, no, don't compare it to all eight books, because for whatever reason, they decided to throw in everything <laughs> in 90 minutes. Right. <laughs> Have you seen right. Have you seen the movie? I that's another uh, series of books I've never even oh, read. Okay, okay, so I can't really judge. And I saw one trailer and knew that that was that was a film um, I would never see. Just full of CGI. I was like, I, I have no desire to see that. Yeah, and you know, in retrospect, it. I think from the trailer, because all you were really seeing was Idris Elba and his gunplay, which they. You know, there there is a lot of gunplay in the novel, and I think that's all they were trying to give you and trying to get yeah. Matthew McConaughey to be creepy. But then once you see the execution, you're just like, dear God, this is like a bad B movie. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, right. hopefully, if they do the um, the TV series over at Amazon, they'll they'll learn from past mistakes well, on that, that one. That would have potential for sure. Yeah, especially since it's supposed to be based off the fourth book, which is all. Uh, it's basically a prequel. It's all about all, all backstory. Wow. Um, do you have? Well, I, actually, I was gonna say I was gonna ask if you were working on something right now. But what I really want to know is: Are you working on or have plans for another, um, like hardcore, balls to the wall horror novel? I guess like The Wicked, not in the same subject, but. Not really. I mean, I'm always like, I've always got little ideas brewing in the back of my head. Lately, I've been, I don't know. I mean, I, I've got some stuff coming out. I've got one book coming out soon that could, it could definitely uh, fit that description. Um, something's coming out for Halloween. I could, as a matter of fact, I was going to tell you, I could go ahead and announce that now on your podcast. I have my uh, co-writer's permission. All um, right. So you could call it an exclusive or All whatever. All right. No. I will uh, take it. So, yeah, uh, October 5th is what we're shooting for, mm -hmm. but definitely by Halloween um, is a novel called Scapegoat by mm -hmm. myself and Adam Howe. And uh, Scapegoat is... Gosh, it's crazy! It's a supernatural <laughs> horror novel with with just a, with a dash of comedy. Um, sort of, uh, we like to call it Judgment Night meets Race with the Devil meets Pumpkinhead meets Seven meets oh, uh, meets The Hills Have Eyes meets WrestleMania. Oh, so it's basically it's about a group of friends who are uh they've all gone their separate ways um but they're going for one last hurrah a road trip to wrestlemania 3 in the in the late 80s um they run afoul in the backwoods of kentucky of a uh, a deadly cult um but I'll leave it at that because that doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. It's not necessarily a satanic cult like these group, like these, you know, hapless heroes tend to run afoul of in most of these stories. It's not necessarily what you think. Uh, it's it's a blast. 
I can't, we cannot wait for people to read it. Oh, that's so awesome. you'll see that by Halloween. Is it, um, that, is it going to come out, um, in a, in a physical first and a digital later or both? Um, both. I believe it's probably going to be both at the same time. Okay. Yeah. And there will be a limited edition too, but that's one of those things that I can't really announce yet because, um, no contracts are signed, but we'll definitely be doing a limited, a nice hardcover. But the paperback and ebook, uh, Adam and I are probably going to do a little bit differently than anything I've done in the past and give self-publishing a chance on that one. Just have some fun with it because the whole thing has just been a crazy balls-to-the-wall experiment. So why not do that with the publishing too? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I've seen the cover art and everything, and it's it's crazy. I don't know if you saw that on Instagram. As a matter of fact, our author pick for it. You can go back a week or two. Uh, let me see. It's basically a riff on Bill and Ted, but it's it's Adam and I, and he's in you know '80s Sex Pistols punk garb, and I look like Angus from ACDC, and oh, we're okay. doing the air guitar. Yeah. Okay, I did so, see that. It just really captures the vibe of the book. It's, it's, I think people are going to love it, man. I'm so proud of it. I can't wait for people to finally read it. That, uh, so that one kind of applies, you know, a very long-winded way of answering your question about a big supernatural horror novel. No, that, Sorry that was so long to get there. No, that was perfect because I was, I was already amped up just by the, just, just by you saying the, the, the title and, and, you know how it, the this meets this and all that just already i was excited by that but then you described it now i'm really excited for it oh uh, yeah we got some cool stuff planned for it we've got like uh a lot of it'll just be in the story notes like movie recommendations like you know uh recommended viewing and stuff like that but we've even made like a spotify playing list playlist for the uh, for the novel and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be some fun stuff yeah, I like how a lot of people are doing that now. They'll they'll either if they're musicians on their own, they'll make a little score for the yeah. novel, or like you said, they'll make um, a playlist on Spotify. Which um, Nicholas Eames, who's done Kings of the Wild and then the sequel Bloody Rose, he's uh, I, I can tell he's a huge um, like classic rock fan because I mean, well, the tagline for the first book was "The boys are back in town." The yes. tagline for the second novel was um, "Girls just want to have fun," and he he's created um, playlists for both of those. And just it's you know the second one was filled with because it's it's all female centered for the second novel, so it's filled with tons of Cindy Lauper and things like that. And oh, that's, you know, perfect. Yeah, and and you know I think that's really cool. That's definitely something I would like to do as well like that's something i or rather i should say i would do something like that had i had a project like that coming out mm. um speaking of your instagram i just I, I forgot all about this there was another uh book there called the special yeah yeah that's a yet another collaboration going back to the beginning we've sort of come full circle with the conversation yeah. another collaboration um that's actually i understand that shipping now the limited but I haven't seen an official announcement. It's from Thunderstorm Books. Okay. And it's probably going to be one of those situations where the, the print run is so limited that it's probably going to sell out to like their subscribers and stuff. So I'm not really sure like if there is going to be official announcement. And if so, I'm going to let the publisher make it. But here's another 
sounds so corny saying this, but here's another exclusive for you. <laughs> um, I was given permission by the publisher and my co-writer, Mark Steensland, to announce this. Uh, around the same time as Scapegoat, in, in October, just in time for Halloween, the specials coming out from Bloodshot Books, mm-hmm. who also did Odd Man Out, um, in paperback and ebook, and... The special is, uh, it's a novella. It's not a full-length novel, but it's a novella um, based on an original script from Mark Steensland and I. And uh, Mark is an award-winning filmmaker who's done everything from short films like Dead at 17, based on the comic series. Uh, He's done Keelan Patrick Burke's Peekers. Oh, um, Ed Gorman's Ugly File, been involved in just a ton of cool stuff. And uh, I hitched to that ride because I admire Mark and we're good buddies. And we wrote uh, the special, which is sort of our, uh, I don't know, I guess you could sort of say it's sort of a Richard Lehman tale. It's an erotic horror story, sort of a morality tale. Very twisted, unlike most of my stuff. Uh, very sexual. Um, just had a blast <laughs> with it. And hopefully people will be reading that in, in the next month or two. Yeah, I like the, the cover. It looks very uh, very noir style. Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, That's the uh, the limited cover. Has a has a nice, like, Hitchcock vertigo vibe to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then the paperback co- and ebook cover. Wait till you see that. It's just... It's twisted. I don't want to give anything away, but it's sort of, you see the main prop that's at the heart of the special, and it looks like the book is made out of it. I'll just leave it at that so so as to not spoil anything, but I should be making an official announcement on that on Facebook and Instagram within, I would say, as, as recently as like two weeks from now. It's, oh, it's going to be, yeah, it looks so good. I was going to say if that you know if that cover already looks good, I can't imagine what the the other yeah. one looks like. We're almost we're almost going um, not quite to this extent, but we're almost going with sort of a Led Zeppelin four vibe for the oh, paperback, okay. where we're I, I'm not sure we're even going to have a t- title on it, or it's going to be very minimal. It's going to basically just look like this prop in the story that again, I don't want to give away yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just blur- not even a back cover synopsis. You would have that obviously on the order page, like at Amazon and all, but the back will just be like our blurbs and it's going to be very minimalistic and just different. People are going to dig it. it. It's, it's really cool. That's cool because I feel like nowadays most people are like, I mean, I don't know anything about, how, how how publishers themselves work but i feel like most most people are like you know nobody really cares about the cover they just want to know who wrote it and what it is and basically give them three fourths of the plot on the back and you know they'll buy it like they don't buy it based on the cover which i feel like a lot of book lovers do they just like oh i like this author and that cover's awesome i don't even care what it's about i'm gonna buy it yeah yeah so that, that's a good that's a good thing to have <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, and um, I love that you said you want to go minimalistic with it, and if if the title is even on there, it's going to be very small, right? So, how I guess how old were you when you decided, or 
realize that you you know wanted to write oh wow i uh my mom says that i've been scribbling little monster stories since i was old enough to hold a pen um <laughs> and make a coherent sentence yeah um five i mean I, I was reading somewhat at four um so as far back as i can remember and it was always monsters yeah well, was she was she a big reader was anyone in your family big readers um big readers not necessarily horror my dad always did like sci-fi and horror movies i can remember him sort of turning me on to horror movies um they were always very liberal in the things that they allowed me to watch. They, you know, they didn't shield me too much from that stuff. And, you know, I teased them today. It's like, because you didn't shield me from that stuff. Now look, and they're like, so proud, you know, oh, you got a new book out. You know? <laughs> so I kind of blame them and they gladly lap it up. You know, it's, it's cool. They, they've always been very supportive, even if they didn't necessarily read that. And there, there have been novels, you know, that, I come from a from a Southern Baptist upbringing, so there's there have been stuff that I wouldn't let them or wouldn't offer to them to read. Like, mom loved Midnight Rain, mom loved Animosity, dad loved Ugliest Sin, but I never gave them the Wicked, <laughs> just because you know it's so it's so twisted, and and I just know the ones to pick and choose to not give to them. I was just gonna say I'm pretty sure you probably didn't give them the Wicked. <laughs> Yeah, I, I left that one on the stack at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were your, I guess, favorites growing up? I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume Stephen King, but yeah, definitely Stephen King. The very, very young, um, at a very, very young age, those scary stories to tell in the dark books were mm, yeah. they they made who I am today. And my earliest memory is is just keeping them constantly checked out of the library and those orange and black crestwood monster books. Oh, okay. Um, people even either know what I'm talking about or they don't. Um, and they're usually going to be like me, you know, in their late thirties or, or early forties before they'll know what I'm talking about. Cause those go back a ways, but there were the series of black and white monster books and the covers were black and orange. And I just, I kept those things checked out and, probably 75% of the movies that were covered in those books I've never even seen. But you can imagine being a kid loving scary stuff. I still flipping through the pictures, just couldn't get enough of them. And then the scary stories telling dark books. And then uh, Stephen King, the very first adult horror novel I ever read. And it's a favorite to this day is I can, I'm never 100% sure how to pronounce her name. So if I butcher it, I apologize. But the, <laughs> Author is Anne Rivers Siddons. Hmm. I'm sure that's how you pronounce it. I'm just pronouncing it like it reads, but yeah. uh, or like it looks. But Anne Rivers Siddons, The House Next Door. And, uh, oh, God, it's good. It's basically about a haunted house that's not old. It's, it's like haunted evil from the moment it's built. Oh, and wow. that, that was so different and unique and it, the way it reads, I'm surprised I liked it so much back then because it reads, it's very, very dry. And that fits the like blase, upper middle class, snooty lifestyles of the people in the novel. Mm -hmm. But it works because it's dry and 
you get that from these characters until the scary stuff starts happening. And then it's this total, it, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it works for who these people are. So when the evil comes into the story and the supernatural aspect is injected into it, it's 10 times scarier, you know? Um, And what's, and what's cool is King cites that one as a favorite. Oh, wow. So it's like, okay, I'm in good company, I guess. Yeah. It's, yeah. just, it's funny and to think of. And I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. You know, it's funny to think of, of that as a, like a subgenre, a snooty horror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, upper crust horror. Yeah. Start uh, a new genre. That, yeah. kind of, that kind of reminds me of, of a novel I read not too long ago. Have you ever read um, Slade House? I have not. Um, it's by uh, David Mitchell, the same guy that did Cloud Atlas, which I've never read. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is a haunted house book. It's only five chapters long. Um, each chapter is about between like thirty and uh, between like thirty and forty pages, I'd say. Um, right. Because it's not a very long book. It's probably a little over two hundred fifty pages. So just mm-hmm. you know, about fifty pages each chapter. Um, but it starts off in the. 70s i believe um the first chapter set in the 70s and it's just a different account of uh different people encountering that haunted house so the you know the first chapter set in the 70s and what happens to these people uh sounds good to in me. the haunted house yeah and then the next chapter is the 80s and what happens to these people and then it goes all the way up to present day in the oh man is it is it in the 2000s 2010s i think it, i think it is in the 2010s is where it it finally ends but it's totally got one of those uh, not really abrupt endings but it it sums up it ends and you're just like holy shit what just happened <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get that it's it's really good it's got a really cool uh it came in an, uh, another nocturnal readers box um i think the one they sent us was the canadian version because when i looked it up on uh amazon uh the cover they had was a little different than the one we have because the one we we got was just beautiful cover it was just mostly all white um i don't even know how to describe it it was it was pretty much all white except for um two little red dots which kind of they kind of made it look like the eyes on the house um mm-hmm. and i think the hard cover is all white as well i might be wrong it's been a while since i've looked That's at cool. it but but yeah it was it was actually really good i was um it, it starts to get to the point where you're like right as you're starting to lose steam of it's like okay you did all this build up of this person being in the house and right as it starts to die it just picks right back up for 10 pages mm-hmm. and then done next chapter it's like holy shit hmm. yeah it, it, it sounds it, cool yeah it really surprised me how, how good it was cool well let's let's jump into uh the what i how i like to wrap this up which is a little uh I guess basically a game of Desert Island because I'm all right. I'm, sounds fun. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a new because a lot of the podcasts I listen to they play games, but they also have the person in front of them to play games. So yeah, it's kind of hard to do one when the person isn't in front of you. So the best I can come up with for now, anyway, is Desert Island. Right. So um, go ahead and give me your. Uh, we'll do top three of each category if you if you can whittle it down to those. Um, so we'll do. Uh, your top three Desert Island books. Boy's Life by Robert McCammon. Christine by Stephen King. 
Oh, God. <laughs> the Children's Hour by Douglas Clegg. Ooh, I'm surprised you didn't throw in a, a Bentley Little in there. Well, you know, you got three, and it's like a lot of a lot of ones get left on the boat. I guess. Yeah, and <laughs> unfortunately, and you might you might tell me to to just to stop recording, delete all this, don't even post it. But I could not finish uh, Boy's Life. Yeah, we're done, man. This friendship <laughs> is over. <laughs> I got not 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 that it wasn't uh, not that I wasn't compelled by what I was reading. I think I might have got. Mm, maybe possibly I know I got at least a quarter of the way maybe a third of the way somebody told me as always I stop reading books probably right when things yeah. pick up and shit starts happening um, give it another chance sometime yeah it just I think it's because I, I went into it blind I still don't really know what the story is about per se um, so I th- I think that's all it was was I was just ready for shit to kick in and it hadn't yet so i was just like all right well it's not it's not hitting me now so maybe like you said i just need to come back to it which which i really do want to like that same thing happened to me with summer of night by dan simmons which i don't know if you've read i have i'm it's not a favorite in the coming of age genre like most not at least in like top five i like it but it's not you know up at the very top of my list. I know a, a lot of people love it. A lot of a lot of people love Dan Simmons too. And I've I've started three books by him and have got again a third or a quarter of the way through and just can't do it for some reason. I, I tried Hyperion, uh, couldn't do it. I tried Summer of Night, couldn't do it. And then I tried The Terror and couldn't do it. I've read uh, his noir novels. I like a lot. And then Summer of Night, I liked. Like I said, I wouldn't rank them among my favorite, but I liked Summer of Night. Uh, and then uh, read one called, I believe it was called Hollow Man mm-hmm. that I liked. Okay. And I've tried to read Carrie and Comfort three times through the years and never could get through it. Even though it's a great idea, I just always end up putting it down. Yeah, a lot of people give a lot of. Uh huge praise to that book even though it's oh and song of cali oh okay. yeah okay I've, I've heard of that one um, yeah that one that's a creepy book but it's it's not for everybody yeah people give huge praise to carrying comfort even though it's very a very heavy-handed subject and yeah. subject matter but yeah um yeah i've heard it is it is a little hard to to read in in different in different ways yeah but uh, i I'm, I'm gonna try summer of night again just because i love coming of age stories and that one gets such praise so i, I need to try it again and it's if, definitely worth a read yeah and if, if i can't get through it then I, I just feel like dan simmons probably isn't isn't for me and it's not that he's not right. a good writer i just i feel like he is he is very very dense with his writing it's just your own taste yeah yeah i, th- I think yeah. i like i like mine a little more streamlined like i have a have a good flow going and not that like i said not that yeah. he doesn't have a good flow just like I said, he's very dense. He he packs a lot onto just a single page. You know, you can start off with just the description of the wind, but but by the by the end of that one page, you've you've gone through like fifteen different descriptions of fifteen different right. things, and you're just like, okay, hold on, what what, what were we doing again? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to 
Let's go to movies. Uh, does doesn't necessarily have to be horror. No, no, no. Just if you're stranded on a desert island, what three movies would you take with you? All right. Uh, Leon, the professional. Ooh. Uh. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> um, better off dead. And God, I've got to. I, I feel like I have to throw a Tarantino in there. <laughs> I was going to say the wrestler. <laughs> uh, that's a good one, no doubt about it. <laughs> I think I'd have to say Django Unchained. Oh, that's yeah, that's. Just adore that movie. I was gonna say while while it may not be to me anyway, like I I love Quentin Tarantino. I've I don't know how many times I've seen each each movie. Uh, and while I, I don't personally think Django Unchained is his best movie, I feel like it's probably his most entertaining from start to finish. Right. Yep. Yep. I I I, I, I at the same time I was surprised and not surprised to find out that's his most successful movie ever in terms of box office returns. Wow. wow. Which, you know, like I said, I was like, that should surprise me. But after seeing it in the theater, I'm like, you know what? That's a, it's definitely a popcorn crowd pleaser type movie. Yeah. Yeah. Did you dig, uh, the hateful eight? Believe it or not. I was not crazy about that. one. It, I rewatched it again about two weeks ago and it just, it's feels it's the first Tarantino movie where I'm not saying I didn't like it, but it's the first one where I felt myself looking at my watch. I was <laughs> like, it just it feels so long to me, and it just didn't hook me like most of his stuff. It's it's the first one I've ha- never had a desire to own. Let's put it that way. I didn't dislike it, but I don't like it enough to own it. I can see that because I remember seeing it in the theater and. I remember getting to the point where just before uh, things really kick in for the the third act, like just before that happened, I remember looking at my watching and going, "Damn, we still have an hour and some change left." And then yeah. and then everything kicked in, and I was just like, oh, "Okay, you know, here yeah. we go." Like I said, I watched it about two weeks ago uh, again for the first time since I saw it in the theater, and my wife hadn't seen it. And I was like, would you have any desire? And she's like, oh, I like that cast. And I'm kind of in the mood for a Western. And I'm like, and she's not a diehard Tarantino fan. She loves Django. She liked Pulp Fiction. But she's not just a, okay, I've got to see everything Tarantino does type person. Yeah. But she, uh, she's like, oh, that sounds interesting. Let's watch it. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't mind giving it another chance. And I liked it a little bit more the second time. And she really liked it. Oh, wow. Um, but... Uh, I don't think I'll ever be crazy about it. I just appreciated it a little bit more, but it's it's so long, yeah, it, and so dry at times. I, I I love I love long movies if it's if it's keeping you entertained. You know, obviously the yeah. story's good, and while this one did, I, I do agree that he probably could have trimmed some fat. And uh, apparently, the version we all see is 15 minutes shorter than the one he took out on tour. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, I saw that one. Oh, the long one. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, I saw like the uh, what the, was it called? The the roadshow version, I think. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, we were out of town on vacation, 
and I happen to see it on Facebook or something, and I'm like, shit, there's a theater in town that's showing. I'm going to go to that. Do you mind? And my wife was like, yeah, I'll drop you off and go, and we'll go shopping. <laughs> so I went. It's one of those rare instances where I went to see a movie alone. So I did see that version, yeah. So you saw it in its 70-millimeter glory? Yep. Oh, yep. man. Yeah, see, I yeah. just saw it in a regular it cool. old. I just saw it in a basic Regal theater, which, I mean, I that that's totally fine because they you know he he framed it so well to even if you had to shrink it down you still got the scope of it well yeah. even if you watch it on yeah. a, on a tv man just the the fact that you there, you know there's a shot of uh kurt russell and jennifer jason lee standing in the middle of the room in the middle of the frame but in yet that shot you can see the far left wall and you can see the far right wall of that yeah. haberdashery which is just insane so i can't imagine seeing that on a you know a 70 millimeter screen it was cool like i like i said i i didn't dislike it but and it was cool to get to see that i've never gone to like a road show like that but um yeah it was it was a cool cool way to see it so you got the the intermission overture and all that right yeah oh, yep that would that would have been really cool to see i i think i've since like a souvenir book it's <sighs> cool i think since kill bill volume one i think i've consistently gone to every quentin tarantino movie if not since then uh if not opening night then opening weekend yeah i think we saw django twice in the theater um i don't think i did repeat viewings of anything surprisingly uh yeah i don't think i have which like i said is very surprising i'm surprised i didn't go back and watch django again and it's funny because my grandma's the one that got me into uh quentin tarantino i saw that's I saw cool. Pulp Fiction in the theater when I was about five years old, which that's not a movie for a five-year-old to see. That's cool, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I can say and it. It's probably my favorite movie of all time, so I'm glad that I can say I actually saw it in nice. the theater. And, you know, it's not, uh, other than the language and, and violence, it's not like it's there's hardcore nudity or anything. Like, I don't think there's any nudity in it. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's one bad scene uh, uh involving rape but you know at five years old i didn't know what was happening but i yeah. remember i remember when it finally came out on home video my uh i think my mom rented it because my grandpa hadn't seen it and i was like so excited even at six years old i was like i want to watch it and they're both they're looking at me like what the hell is wrong with you it's awesome um let's do let's, okay now i guess now we're on to uh I don't. Would you rather do albums or artists? Music. Uh, artists. Okay. It's probably easier. All right. We'll we'll make it a little more broad. Okay. We'll do artists. Black Sabbath. Oh, there you go. Uh. ACDC and Led Zeppelin. Oh man, you're a you're a, definitely a metal fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like everything. I like everything from Fleetwood Mac to Motorhead to BB King to Thirty Seconds to Mars to Nine Inch Nails to Gosh Prince. But <laughs> yeah, I'm primarily a hard rock metal fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm glad I got a little bit of everything from uh, from everyone when when I would visit my grandparents, they always, my grandpa always consistently had his radio on, you know, the Motown days. And that's uh, cool. My mom always listened to, um, 
Def Leppard, The Rolling Stones, Queen, mm-hmm. um, and then nice. my, my brother, who is uh, six years older than me, um, would listen to stuff like LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys. So I got mm-hmm. I got some from oh, that's, everywhere. That's my era too. Yeah, I loved LL and Beasties. Yeah, that. So I, I'm glad. I mean, I, I primarily listen to. I, I guess I could say my favorite genre would be uh, hip hop slash rap. But I do. I listen to everything. I've been, lately I've been jamming out to um, uh, some CCR. Cool. Oh, yeah. I love wow. CCR. That, that that gets you through those work days for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, is that it? No, 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 no. We got to do... Oh, no, we did books, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did do books. Okay. Because you gave the horrifying boy's life. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that... It, it's, it's pretty hard to narrow down the three artists thing, but... Uh, Definitely. I think that would be a lot easier than albums. Yeah, I mean, I I have, you know, like my top ten albums, but if push came to shove, I'm not sure I could pick and choose from those ten. I'd probably have to pick an entire yeah. artist's uh, discography. Yeah, or cheat and just do a greatest hits. Oh man, definitely. Which is always kind of lame. The, <laughs> the, know, only, the, the only the only. Yeah, the only problem with that, though, is if you do somebody like, well, if you do original Greatest Hits albums, like if you did the original Eagles Greatest Hits album, that's only like 10 songs. Yeah. Totaling out to like 28 minutes, so there's, <laughs> that's not very much content right. for you to survive on Desert Island on. Exactly. Uh, all right, well, I think that about wraps it up then. That was cool, man. I I am greatly appreciative that that you did this uh man it like i said i'm i i'm trying to grow this uh it it started out just being me talking about everything that i like from you know everything movies books whatever and i i had the idea of you know i was like hey maybe i'll i'll reach out to somebody on instagram and see if they'll let me interview them and now um i saw the phenomenal response i got from that and those are the podcasts i listen to where people are just BSing like uh, yeah. I, I mostly listen to celebrities interviewing other celebrities but I, I still like that because um, they'll even say you know this isn't a late night show where it's not scripted but you know what you're going to talk about in advance whereas mm-hmm. we, we whereas they go on there and they just they bullshit for you know an hour to two hours and I think eventually that's if I can get, have the luxury that's how I would want this to turn into um Although, you know, as we've seen, it is, it is a little hard because people have, people have lives, you know, things get in the yeah. way and they can't stick to it, which is, you know, like I said, I totally understand. I'm not, you know, uh, oh, I was going to say I'm not Chris Hardwick on his podcast, but that might not be, <laughs> a good, that might not be a good description right now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, like I said, I'm, I'm greatly appreciative of it and, I know I'll probably have you back on for uh, as a repeat guest. That's for damn sure. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the enthusiasm for my work and support. Oh, and uh, yeah, we'll I'll, we'll come back and BS some more. It's fun. Yeah, man, I can't. You wait get for obviously it. you get me talking about books and movies. That yeah, I'm I'm happy. Oh yeah, that's like I said. It, um, you know, I, and I'm I'm up for whatever. If you want to. For what you know, whatever's coming out next, if you want to come on and just talk about that for an hour, I'm totally fine with that. Or, like you said, we awesome. can just talk about movies and I'm good. 
Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Definitely, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your night, man.